Hello, I'm Tracy Challoner, bringing you a special life education podcast on the coronavirus. Well, COVID-19 is one of the biggest stories in our living memory, and many parents are understandably extremely anxious about the pandemic, the impact on our health, our kids' education, our finances, and even how the saturation media coverage is affecting all of our well-being, but particularly our kids. With me is leading parenting and families expert and best-selling author, Dr. Justin Coulson. And today we're talking about how you can help yourself and your children cope during this really anxious and unpredictable time. Hi, Justin. Thanks for joining me. It's a pleasure, Tracy. I hope I can be helpful. Oh, look, I know you've been incredibly busy doing so many interviews and uh, your own podcasts and webinars, so so really grateful for your time. You've been providing some excellent support for families on your Happy Families Facebook page during this coronavirus. I think we can all feel the anxiety building around this now and, and the fear. How do we stay calm and maintain a sense of hope and optimism for our kids' sake as well as our own? One of the things that I've really been emphasising is the need to do just that, to breathe and take a step back and, I, I guess, psychologically distance ourselves from everything that seems to be drawing us in. Uh, I know that that's easier said than done, especially when we consider the uh, challenges around schooling and education for our children, the issues associated with the extraordinary job loss that is occurring in various sectors around the country, and just the financial uncertainty and instability. I mean, there's there's a lot, and then of course, there's the actual health crisis itself as well. So there's a lot going on that we're trying to comprehend. The reality is we've never really quite been here before, at least no one in our generation has. And so what we really need to do is literally learn how to step back and step away from the the psychological impact of these things, the anxiety increasing aspects of what's going on. And there's a couple of ways that we can do this. The first is that we can create a, a sense of uh, physical distance. And, and I'm not necessarily talking about this whole, you know, social distancing, which I've got a problem with. Let's not call it social distancing. We need social closeness right now. We do need physical distance, though. And I think that that's an important distinction. We need to be emotionally and, and, and socially close to people. But what we also want to do is, I, I guess, s- step outside of ourselves in some way. And psychologists have done really fascinating studies that show that when we talk about ourselves in the third person, it does sound very strange. Uh, what would Justin do in this situation sounds really weird rather than what would I do right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when we talk about things in the in the third person, we actually create a sense of mental, cognitive, psychological distance from the circumstances. Tracy, you've probably had that thing happen where uh, – Somebody comes to you and they say, oh, I'm in this terrible situation. I just don't know what to do. They're really emotional about it. They're really wound up in the moment of it all. But because you have the psychological distance, you seem to see it a lot more objectively, maybe even more clearly. And the answers seem a little more obvious to you than they do to the person going through the challenge. Yeah, exactly. And that's what we're trying to do here for ourselves and even for our children. We want to be able to step back and say, okay, this this is affecting me, but what would I say if it was my best friend, Tracy? Or what would I say if Dr. Justin Coulson was talking to me about this. What would I do if we, we want to create that psychological distance that helps us to see things a little differently? 
And in so doing, it helps us to be so much more calm. Yeah, that's great advice, Justin. And I noticed that the questions that a lot of parents have been asking you on your Facebook page and, and so on. What do I say to my children about this? How do I explain the threat around something we can't even see? And how do I reassure my kids that everything is going to be okay? In my Facebook page, I actually recorded myself having this conversation with my children. I, I thought it might be helpful and instructive for parents. And so if you visit my Facebook page, Dr. Justin Coulson's Happy Families, and go through the videos, you'll see me sitting there with three of my six daughters. Uh, we had an unscripted unedited live conversation where I said, you can ask me anything. And they came with their pen and their paper and their questions all ready to go. And they asked hard questions, questions like, well, what, my six-year-old said, what happens if one of my friends dies? My 10-year-old said, what happens if you don't have any money, dad, and you can't work? Uh, they, they were asking tough questions. But what I hope to do in that video is what I hope to do right now in answering this question. And that is to highlight that you don't need an expert to tell you how to talk to your kids what you want to do in simplest terms is answer their questions to the extent that they're curious. Uh, you don't have to turn on the fire hose. You know, when somebody wants a drink, you can say, well, open up wide and, and you, you turn on that hose and fire into their mouth as hard as you can. You pour them a glass of water and once they've had a few sips, you say, can I give you a top up? And that's what we do with our children. We say, well, that's a great question. Let me give you a little bit of an answer. Would you like to know any more? That's the first thing. The second thing is that we need to answer honestly. And if we don't know then we say, I don't know. For example, when my six-year-old said, are any of my friends going to die? I said to her, that would make us all so sad if something like that happened, wouldn't it? And she said, oh, yes, it would. My response to her at that point was, I sure hope none of them do because being sick and dying from this sickness would be horrible. And so I can't promise her that nobody will die, that she knows none of her friends. But what I can promise her is that I'm there for her and I understand how sad it would make her. Our approach here is not to be the font of all wisdom and knowledge. It's simply to provide gentle, peaceful reassurance to let our children know that we're hearing them and that there's hope. Some of the images we've been seeing on TV news are really quite distressing. It, it is an all-consuming story. It's hard to switch off. But you'd obviously recommend limiting children's exposure to media reports at a time like this. It is an all-encompassing story. There is almost nothing else to talk about and nowhere else to go. What's funny about this is that this is exactly what we need. We need to get away from it by turning off the news and getting caught up in the mundane things of life. For example, I had a fun conversation with a radio team just this morning who were talking about how they had an argument over the weekend as they were practicing their self-isolation. They were arguing about pickup sticks and whether you should be playing on the carpet or whether you should be playing on a hard surface like a dining table because of the different way that the surfaces affect the way the game goes. And, and it was very funny just to laugh about something so mundane and ordinary and to step away from the pressure and the drama and the stress that the nonstop conversations about coronavirus are causing. Our, our children need us to be a little bit normal. They need to feel like we can have some humour and that we can actually talk about other things. In fact, my year 12 daughter said to me uh, just today, can we please talk about anything except coronavirus? I just, I don't want to have any more conversations about it. And, and I think that that's right to honour that request. If we as adults need to be across the latest developments or announcements as the country goes through various stages and sequences of lockdown and opening up and those kinds of things, then maybe check in on the news once or perhaps twice a day. But keep our children away from it. They don't need to know. And let's find other ways that we can stimulate them and keep their minds on other things. 
I think you're right. We, we do need to be able to find a way to have a laugh with our kids at home while all this is going on. And, and just on a practical level, Justin, with schools closing and public events and gatherings shutting down, we are all going to be spending a lot more time at home together with our families. What are some of the things that we can do to stay optimistic and, and maybe somehow even turn this isolation period into a positive experience instead of a, a negative one? Wow, such an important question. Uh, how do we stay optimistic? Well, I think there's a handful of things that we should do. Number one, parents, just relax the tech rules a little bit in your home. Don't be so hardcore about it because, frankly, uh, technology is going to become an important part of our children's lives as education is increasingly delivered via that medium. In addition to that, though, I think there's a handful of things that are important. Number one, lower your expectations. You're not a school teacher. And so don't try to be a school teacher. And even if you are a school teacher, you probably don't want to be a school teacher to your own children all day, every day, as well as being a parent. So I would say lower expectations around education. Depending on their age, I would be probably arguing for up to an hour maximum of educational experience each day. And other than that, I'll be looking to have them doing other things. Now, obviously, if they're in the senior years of high school, that advice would not apply. But certainly for younger children, I'd say 14 and under, about an hour of schoolwork a day would be fine. They should do a bit of reading. They should do an hour of physical activity a day somehow. Uh, we want to encourage them to enjoy their hobbies. Uh, I've got one of my kids starting a podcast. She's so excited about starting this podcast. Um, we can find Find creative outlets for them where they use their strengths, where they use those things that light them up. Yeah. That will help them to be optimistic. But I think the most important thing that we can do to help them to be optimistic, other than be an example of optimism ourselves, is to help them to find a way that they can contribute to others, that they can serve, that they can give, that they can make a difference. Perhaps there's some elderly people around the corner or down the street or even next door who could do with some help with the lawns or with some grocery shopping. Maybe there's somebody in your local community who could do with a hand one way or another. As our children reach out and make a difference in the lives of other people, they feel hopeful, they feel empowered, they feel competent and capable, they feel like they're making a difference and therefore they feel optimistic about their futures. It might require a bit of creativity, but if you're part of any kind of community, I'm sure that there will be opportunities for you to do this and that is what I would recommend more than perhaps anything at all. Yeah. It is going to be tricky for people stuck at home with really young children though, isn't it? I, a friend of mine put a post up the other day and she said something like, uh, well, we've played the balloon game, uh, we've done paper mache and it's only 7am. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone got any suggestions? So, I mean, what do we do? How do we keep our sanity when we're at home with kids, young kids, teenagers who are really struggling to get their heads around the fact that they, they can't get out and see their, their mates and have their usual social activities. It's going to curb a lot of freedom. It is tricky. And, and I think that in those instances, what we really want to be doing is talking with friends and others, using social media for all that it's good for. There are so many millions of great ideas doing the rounds on social media at the moment. I've had so many of them come across my, my various feeds. We just have to, I, I think, be really intentional be quite planful uh, and, and again, lower our expectations, not just of our children, but also of what we're going to get done. 
I know that people are talking about being creative. There's been there's been sellouts at Bunnings on all of the things that we might do, all of those projects that need to be done in the yard, or you know, people planting vegetable gardens and putting up chook runs and those kinds of things. Bringing the children into those kinds of environments is tremendous fun. But we can get them involved in the kitchen. I know it takes a much longer time. I know it makes a much bigger mess. But all this sort of stuff, as we slow down and involve our children in our lives and in our world, it seems to. Um, uh, bring them closer to us, and it seems to also improve their behaviour. The one thing I would watch out for is cabin fever associated with too much screen time. I have seen it in my own children during this uh, unsettling period where if we let them spend too much time in front of screens, they do become, well, challenging, I think, is probably the, the best word. You can say stroppy if you like. <laughs> <laughs> You're not allowed to say that, but I can say that. Oh, that and a whole lot more. There's the sass and there's the strop <laughs> and all sorts of things. It's, it's But tough. it's funny you mentioned Bunnings, Justin. I, I planted a herb garden on the weekend and I'm finding that incredibly therapeutic. I go out in the evening, I look at my herbs and I, I feel a lot calmer about things. So I, whatever it takes at this point, isn't it? Whatever calms you, soothes you, it's finding that mindful, simple activity uh, at a time like this. Yeah, outside is fuel for the soul. You know, nature is uh, is calming and relaxing and reassuring. And to the extent that it's possible, uh, you know, whatever we're not being confined to our homes, and even if we are, uh, finding ways to experience nature, finding ways to uh, be in our own safe space, but certainly in in the real world rather than inside those four walls of our home, that will do wonders for our well-being. In fact, the, the most important things that we can do for our well-being, I'd sum up in just a couple of words. First of all, we've got to spend time with others however we can. The, the need to connect with others frequently cannot be understated. Secondly, we need to be active and our children do too. It's, it's, a, it's a normal and healthy part of what it is to be human and our well-being drops when we're not being active, particularly if we're not outdoors. The third thing that we need to do, and I think you've just tapped into it as well, is just slow down a little bit. Go and lay on the grass or on the trampoline with your child and stare at the clouds because you can, even though you've got other things to do and so many other priorities, sometimes it's good to just slow down and do that. The fourth thing that I would recommend is that we find a way that there can be a little bit of learning every day. And the fifth thing, as I've already mentioned, is let's find a way that our children can make a difference to others, even little kids. Absolutely. And uh, you, you mentioned that uh, we are social creatures. I suppose one thing that that is cruel about this disease, and one of the many things, is that it is separating families to a certain degree. We've been told it's not a good idea to, to visit the grandparents for the time being in case we bring them in contact with coronavirus. So that means that kids mightn't see their grandparents for a lengthy period of time. And that can create almost a sense of grief, uh, particularly for older people, but also for kids who really want to see Nanny and Pop. Um, any suggestions there, Justin, about how we can bridge that gap for the time being? Yeah, you know, as a family, we have just uh, in the last little while had that very experience with grandparents where we've said, uh, this, this is it. Uh, we'll, we'll look forward to seeing you when this is all over. But for your safety and for ours, we, we all need to isolate now. And uh, that's been uh, a decision that was very, very hard and it was very tearful. The children were so sad about it and, and obviously the grandparents were as well. I think that what we need to do, though, is remind our children and even the grandparents that these decisions are being made out of love and concern and a 
desperate desire to uh, support one another and do well by one another. That that seems to me to be the most important thing. This disease is not about survival of the fittest. It's about protection of the weakest. Beyond that, though, uh, it's probably worth re- remembering that um, we do have FaceTime, we do have Skype, we do have a variety of technological wonders at our fingertips that can help us to have some connection, even if it's not uh, skin to skin or face to face. In fact, some research suggests that, once again, the frequency of contact, regardless of the medium, matters more than whether we're actually in one another's space or not, just being able to talk to each other. You know, I mean, for for over 100 years, we've used the telephone as a wonderful opportunity to feel close to loved ones, even though they're not, not nearby. And being able to talk on the phone, it feels incredible. Not quite as good, I guess, as being able to be in one another's arms, but it's still a pretty darn good substitute. And I think we need to just remember that we've got tech and we should use it so that we can keep those connections strong. Yeah, and know that it's not forever. And then down the track, we'll be all having that group hug when we need it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think you're right. That's And that's what we need to look forward to. That's what we need to have hope for. On a lighter note, Justin, you and your wife have six girls, five still living at home. How are you coping with the supplies, particularly, dare I say it, toilet paper? <laughs> well, um, let's just say that we've sat down with the children. I, I, I'm a bit embarrassed to say this, but we sat down with the kids and we showed them how to use a smaller number of squares when they use the bathroom so that we can just be sensible. Uh, you know what? We've also explained to them that Australia, according to the reports, produces three times the food and goods and supplies than what our population actually requires. And we've let our children know that we have every confidence that the shelves will remain stocked and that uh, while there have been some scary moments, that there is going to be enough to go around. In addition, uh, for many years now, probably for about the last eight eight to ten years, we've practised, I guess, a fairly comprehensive food storage supply program. So uh, my wife has always, when things are on special, she's just bought an extra two or four or six. Uh, And so over the years, our food storage supply has grown enough that we we feel comfortable and confident that as a family, we're in a wonderfully privileged position because of her her wisdom. Uh, we'll be able to get through a couple of months if if worse goes comes to worst, and uh, and hopefully that won't be necessary. But with with a bit of wisdom on my wife's part, I would never have thought of doing it. But she's she's always kept the pantry well stocked, and we'll be okay. So plenty of food in the Coulson bunker. <laughs> it won't be very tasty food. I mean, it's all, you know, it's all pretty basic stuff. But, uh, and, and again, I, and I, I don't say that to gloat because I'm aware that there'll be people who are listening who are thinking, well, gee, I've barely got enough to get through the next week and I'm mm-hmm. very nervous. And so I, I acknowledge how tricky this is. I think that what it has been for, for our family is a, a tremendous wake-up call uh, to being really prudent in the way we live. And I think that it will change the way our entire society lives going forward. It will certainly make us appreciate the little things a lot more, I think, won't it? Yeah, yeah. And, and we're already feeling like we're appreciating those things. It, it doesn't take too long. No, exactly. Well, Justin, um, given that the Life Education Program is all about empowering children's physical, social and emotional health and well-being, we just wanted to provide some wise and reassuring information for parents on how to deal with the coronavirus. So I really do appreciate your expert advice. And uh, just to recap, you've been talking today about the four H's, being heard, sense of humour, helping others when you can and just holding on to that sense of hope, which is just so important. That's it. They're the, they're, they're the big four things that I think children need the most. 
What's in store for you in the weeks ahead? Webinars, podcasts, providing information to support people during this time? All of those things. We've talked uh, within my, my small team about what we can do right now. Uh, it's, it's such a trying time for everybody. And, and so we've, we've determined that we're going to move forward with a, a three-pronged framework that's going to guide the decisions that we make. The first is we really want to provide calm assurance for families. Uh, and if you want that calm assurance, um, I, I guess following me on social media or subscribing to my newsletter will probably be the best place to go. But in addition to calm assurance, we, we really want to focus as much as we can on serving uh, the families of Australia and, and indeed the world and being as generous as we can. We know that people are going to be going through some very tough times and because of the wonderful uh, access that we have to resources uh, because of the internet, we want to give as much help as generously and so, and, and with as, as much of a service focus as we can over the next little while. So our focus is very much on giving as much good information as generously as we can to as many people as possible. Well, you're doing an amazing job. And I, as I said, I really appreciate you sharing uh, some, some great advice with us today. Tracy, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for the opportunity. And uh, I, I, I wish you well. And everyone who's listening, I hope that the, uh, the, the challenges of the coronavirus uh, don't impact you too much. Let's hope so. My guest today was Dr Justin Coulson, author and parenting and wellbeing expert. And you can also listen to Justin's other podcast for life education on resilience, which has some really great tools on how to raise a resilient child. I'm Tracy Challoner, and you've been listening to this special podcast on the coronavirus, part of our life education podcast series. Thanks for joining us.